Blog Talk Radio. Well, bless the Lord, everybody. Bless the Lord. Once again, you are live with the Word on Wednesday. This is Pastor Winfred Burns, and we are grateful to God for your presence here tonight. Hey, Donna, how you doing? Good to see you out there today. Um, Tonight, we want to uh, go right into Acts chapter 25 after a word of prayer, and I'm going to go into Acts chapter 25 a little bit differently uh, because I want to I want to do my um, application up front. Normally I do the application and show you the relevance to, this, to a particular passage and our times after, but I'm going to show you in Scripture what Paul is actually doing up front. So without... Um, Wasting any time, I want to go right into a word of prayer and then uh, proceed into our teaching tonight. Um, Eternal God, our Father, it's in Jesus' name that we come. We come giving you thanks. We come giving you praise, glory, and honor. For you are good, and your mercy endures forever. God, despite the turbulent times that we live in, we know that you are on the throne, and this is all a part of your plan. And so tonight, God, as we go into your word, we rest in you. We take comfort knowing that you are still Lord, that you are God and you are God all by yourself. God, we understand that there are some who have said some things to us in times past, and we found out that they were not telling the truth and didn't have our best interests at heart. And then there are others that we didn't pay attention to who you had sent, and we didn't pay attention to them either. But, Father, tonight our ears are peeled, and we Keenly await a word from you. So speak to us, O oh God. Speak to us in a way that we can hear. Speak to us in a way that we can do. Oh, teach us tonight, O oh God, from your word. We bless you and we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so now, I want to have us not go immediately to Acts chapter 25, but instead I want you to turn to Ephesians chapter 6. And I want you to look at a very, very familiar verse, um, the 10th verse of Ephesians chapter 6. That's what I want you to look at right, real quick. And let me read it for you. It says, finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers 
over this present darkness against the spiritual forces of evil in heavenly places. And, and you might say, well, why did you read that? Because we have looked over the past several weeks at the conflict that Paul endures, and we have, we have looked at it from the perspective of him being persecuted by the Jews and constrained by the Romans. But Paul sees it differently as he writes this letter to the church at Ephesus. Because now you remember, now he's going to write this letter um, during the time of uh, uh, his persecution. He's writing this letter, hey, B, uh, during the time when, when, when he is being persecuted by the Jews, and he's off in a place and he's trying to, to, to defend the church and not only defend the church, but defend the gospel that he preaches. And he recognizes that this is not a battle between me and a man, but instead it is a battle between um, me and the cosmic forces of evil. And so he recognizes that, that this ain't about me and them. This is about them and God. And so I want to, I want, I want to make sure that when we look at these passages, that it, we recognize that this is not just Paul versus a, uh, some men, but it's Paul empowered by the Spirit of God who is advancing the kingdom of God against spiritual opposition. And I want you to see that as you engage in ministry, as you engage in in, in teaching and preaching and, and sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ, as you engage in going forward, doing the work of God with God, that you recognize that you are, as, as he says, he says, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness against the spiritual forces of evil in heavenly places. And if we go back, what we've seen is Paul going against the spiritual forces of evil in Athens. Paul going against the spiritual forces of evil as he goes through Philippi. Paul going against the spiritual forces of evil in Macedonia, in all throughout the land, anywhere you take the gospel, the gospel is going to be resisted by spiritual forces of evil. Amen? So that's what I want you to see. And now what I want you to see is Paul in the presence, in Acts chapter 25, as he goes against even more evil. So now we turn to Acts chapter 25. Turn over there with me real quick. And I'm going to start at 25.1. Um, I think I might need to catch some folk back up real quick just by attaching 25 with 24 just to kind of let you know uh, what was going on. Um, 
you know, they tried to kill, they wanted to kill Paul. And when they found out in 20, Acts chapter 23 that they were trying to kill Paul, um, they sent Paul down to Caesarea with an armed guard, an armed escort to Felix. Paul stands before Felix and he uh, gets to testify to this evil man who is not interested in the question of the day, but instead he is interested in a bribe. And when Paul stays the course and doesn't try to bribe him because, you know, he thinks Paul has money because Paul's been the one that carries the gift down to Jerusalem and he's heard about that and he wants a piece of that money. So he detains Paul. He refuses to release him simply because Paul won't pay a bribe. He can't find a reason to hold him because Paul is innocent. But to do a favor for the Jews and because Paul doesn't uh, pay him, he retains him over. Now, remember, Felix is only in office for two years. When his two years is up, then Festus comes in. And remember, Felix was a crook anyway. So Festus comes in, and Festus is a little bit better than Felix in that what he is going to do is Festus is going to, Festus has to clean up Felix's mess, and you'll see a little bit of that in Acts chapter 25. So that catches you up. Paul is still in jail. He stays in jail for a couple of years, and now um, uh, Festus comes on the scene. So Verse 25, uh, excuse me, chapter 25, verse 1. Now, three days after Festus had arrived in the province, he went up to Jerusalem for, to, from Caesarea. And the chief priests and the principal men of the Jews laid out their case against Paul, and they urged him, asking as a favor against Paul, that he summon him to, to Jerusalem because they were planning an ambush to kill him on the way. Now, hold on. Let me, st let me stop for a second. Let me stop just for a second. Remember those 40 men that had taken their pledge not to eat or drink anything until they uh, killed Paul? I wonder what happened to them. Because if they kept that vow, them boys would have been, they would have been mighty skinny if not dead by then. So apparently they hadn't kept their vow because Paul is still alive after a couple of years now. Remember that. But I just wanted to remind you something. You better be careful what you say because when you take a vow, you are committed to that vow. And these boys haven't killed Paul. Paul, Paul is still safe in the shelter of God's arm. That's another thing I want to point out to you, that when you are doing the will of God, man can have plans against you all they want. But God has said to Paul already that you're going to testify to me, for me in Rome. And man can have anything, any design that they want, but they cannot thwart the will of God. When God has sent you on a mission, on a mission you will go. When God has a calling on your life and God has spoken a word into your life, his word does not return to him void, but will accomplish its purpose. And if God has purposed his word in you, you can rest assured that it will be accomplished and nothing anyone can say or do will stop you from getting to that place, from accomplishing that mission that God has set before you. <laughs> Amen.
So, where was I at? Verse 4. Festus replied that Paul was being kept at Caesarea and that he himself intended to go there shortly. So said he, let the men of authority among you go down with me, and if there is anything wrong about the man, let them bring charges against him. So their design was to get Paul back to Jerusalem. Festus said, I'm going down there. Y'all come over with me and bring your charges down there. After he stayed among them, verse 6, after he stayed among them not more than eight or ten days, he went down to Caesarea. And the next day, he took his seat on the tribunal and ordered Paul to be brought. When he had arrived, the Jews who had come down from Jerusalem stood around him, bringing many and serious charges against him that they could not prove. Paul argued in his defense, neither against the law of the Jews nor against the temple, nor against Caesar, have I committed any offense. Now, this is where the integrity of your life is important. Look at the three things. Remember we went over the things that he had been charged with. They can find no fault in Paul's life. He has, lived, he has walked upright before man and before God and before government. Can you say, I have walked upright before man, I have walked upright before God, I have walked upright before government? Can you... There'll be fault found in any of those areas. Because when there's fault found in those areas, what it does is it diminishes your testimony and your integrity. You can walk upright before God or, 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 or think that you're walking upright before God, but yet be out of line with government and have your testimony diminished. You can be just... You know, doing everything you think is right, obeying the law, but have a stank attitude before man or have a stank attitude before your brother, and nobody want to hear from you. Why? Because you are a loveless individual. Do you realize the things that are going on right now within the, the family of so-called Christians diminishes our ability to advance the word of God, the, folk, the Christians on the left and the Christians on the right, conservative Christianity as well as liberal Christianity, our behavior towards one another and towards mankind diminishes our ability to advance the kingdom of God because there is fault found in us. And when fault is found in us, they find fault in God because we represent God. What's happening right now? We've fallen for the okie doke We have allowed ourselves 
to get involved in this political conundrum by trying to participate, and don't get me wrong, I am not saying that we should not participate in government, but what I am saying is that we should not let our participation in government, in the government of this world, corrupt us to such an extent that we are unable to, without blemish, advance the kingdom of God by presenting the love of God to all mankind. That's where we're messing up at. And that's not just um, the liberal Christian, but that's the conservative Christian too. When we dine with the devil, you can expect to have a stomachache. And right now, our stuff stink. We got a stomachache. But what Paul is able to do is he said, no, no, I've maintained a focus, and the focus is on the mission that God has given me. You won't find any fault in me in any of those areas. Keep going. Verse 9, but Festus, wishing to do the Jews a favor, said to Paul, do you wish to go up to Jerusalem and there be tried on these charges before me. So now, what literally what's happening is this. Paul, Paul couldn't get a adjudication of these charges in a lower court. And so he is before the person who should, uh, the, who should make a decision, and what he's doing is he's throwing this person saying, I'm not going to make a decision about this. Are you willing to go back to the religious court and let them make a decision about you? And the, and the folk in the religious court had already made up their mind that they were going to kill him. He's guilty even though he's not guilty. Now, Paul's nobody's dummy. Paul knows the law. Paul is aware of the forces of darkness that have marshaled themselves against him. And so Paul not only uses the wisdom that God has given him in prayer, but Paul uses his intellect. And listen to what Paul says. He says, I am, verse 10, but Paul said, I am standing before Caesar's tribunal where I ought to be tried. To the Jews, I have done no wrong, as you yourselves know very well. Because they presented their case, and it, it, it couldn't hold water. If then, verse 11, I am a wrongdoer and have committed anything for which I deserve to die, I do not seek to escape death. But if there is nothing to their charges against me, no one can give me up to them. I appeal to Caesar. Then Festus, when he had conferred with his counsel, answered, To Caesar you have appealed. To Caesar you shall go. What did we just learn here? What's the importance of what just happened here? First of all, Paul has identified the scheme of the devil, and he has taken uh, uh, the opportunity afforded him by citizenship to es 
escaped from the clutches of this evil, and he has appealed to a higher court. Now, whether he had intended on doing that from the beginning is irrelevant. But look at how it plays into right into the plan of God. Where did, where did God tell Paul he was going? He said, you are going to witness of me in Rome. Where is Caesar? He's in Rome. Where is Paul going? To Rome. You see, the devil always got a plan. And the devil is always trying to maneuver you into a position where he can harm you. But he that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide in the shadows of the Almighty. And Paul dwells in the secret place of the Most High, and no hurt or harm can come to him. Why? Because he is abiding in God. And that's so important for you to understand. Now, so now we get to the good part. This is this is the this is the juicy part, so to speak. And I'm doing all right on time. Verse 13. Now when some days had passed, a grip of the king and Bernice arrived at Caesarea and greeted Festus. And as they stayed there many days, Festus laid Paul's case before the king, saying, There is a man left prisoner by Felix. And when I was at Jerusalem, the chief priests and the elders of the Jews laid out their case against him, asking for a sentence of condemnation against him. I answered him that it was not the custom of the Romans to give up anyone before the accused met the accusers face to face and had opportunities to make his defense concerning the charge laid against him. So when they came together, so when they came together here, I made no delay, but on the next day took my seat on the tribunal and ordered the man to be brought. When the accusers stood up, they brought no charge in his case of such evil as I suppose. Rather, they had certain points of dispute with him about their own religion and about a certain Jesus who was dead, but whom Paul asserted to be alive. Being at a loss how to investigate these questions, I asked whether he wanted to go to Jerusalem and be tried there regarding them. But when Paul had appealed to be kept in custody for the decision of the emperor, I ordered him to be held until I could send him to Caesar. Then Agrippa said to Festus, I would like to hear the man myself. Tomorrow, said he, you will hear him. So on the next day, Agrippa and Bernice came with great pomp, and they entered the audience hall with the military tribunes and the prominent men of the city. Then at the command of Festus, Paul was brought in. And Festus said, King Agrippa and all who are present with us, you see this man about whom the whole Jewish people petitioned me, both in Jerusalem and here, shouting that he ought not to live any longer. But I found that he had done nothing deserving death. So wait a minute. If you would have found out that he had done nothing deserving death, then why didn't you let him go? Let me keep going. 
And as he himself appealed to the emperor, I decided to go ahead and send him. But I have nothing definite to write to my Lord about him. Therefore, I have brought him before you all, and especially before you, King Agrippa, so that after we have examined him, I may have something to write. For it seems to me unreasonable in sending a prisoner not to indicate the charges against him. Now, before I tell you who Agrippa is, I want you to grab hold of something. Festus should have let him go, but he didn't. He held him over because he didn't want any trouble out of the Jews. Because now remember, Festus is the proconsul, and his job depends upon him having the ability to keep peace throughout the territory. So he doesn't want to rile them up. So he doesn't let them go, even though he's done nothing wrong. And he's sending him to Caesar, but he can't even see why he's sending him to Caesar. The only reason he's sending him to Caesar is because he can't give him back to the Jews. Paul won't let him because Paul's Roman citizenship is still pinned, is hanging over their head. If they do something wrong to a Roman citizen, they themselves can be held accountable for it. That's one of the reasons. That, so Paul is in a good place in a bad way. A lot of times we have to, we, we got to consider something. There are things that are going on around us, and God puts us in positions where no one can do anything to us simply because of who we are. Folk want to get at you, but they can't get at you, and they don't know why they can't get at you. It's because of who you are. It's because of what you're supposed to do. Yeah. Being with God has his privileges. you got to understand that. But now, let me get into to, to King Agrippa. We've seen that word, that, 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 that Agrippa, before. Now, the last time we saw Agrippa was in Acts chapter 12. But this, in Acts chapter 12, you remember Agrippa? Agrippa was the one that was standing up there in Acts chapter 12, and he was making himself out to be like a god. And he was the one that uh, was struck down right in front of the very people when he took the glory of God onto himself and didn't give it to God. And he said, he, he, and he was, he was acting like he was God. If you ever read what um, Isuvius says, Asuvius, the historian, will go back and, and he records what Agrippa said. He said, I thought I was God, and I thought I was above death. But today, God is, requiring, is telling me that I'm finna die. And by this pain in my body, I am about to die. What, he, what happened was he was stricken right on the spot. And what Isubius describes is that he had such pain in his guts that over a four-day time period, he just withered up and died. He, he, was, he died from the inside out. They say the worms ate him. You see, God's got a way of getting your attention. But this Agrippa is not that Agrippa. This is Agrippa II. This Agrippa is his son, and this Agrippa has been appointed over a vast amount of territory. He, and and uh, Caesar, Nero, 
appointed him as the king over that territory. So he is like a, how do I put it? He's more than a governor. He's more than a governor. He's um, he's more like a senator almost. That's the way we would describe it in human times. And he's with Bernice. Now, when we read this, we think, we get the impression that Bernice is his wife. But in actuality, Bernice is his sister. And him and Bernice are carrying on an incestuous relationship. Now, and it's just, it's just terrible what's going on there, but that's what's going on in this passage. And everybody knows what's going on. Bernice has tried to cover it up by going off and marrying another guy, and she stays with this other guy for a few minutes, but she runs back to her brother, and she stays with her brother. And she is an opportunist just like he is, and they're going after power. Now, one other notable thing about him is that he, he, since he himself is a Jew, then he should understand the Jewish laws, and that's why Festus is appealing to him because he is basically saying that you understand this, the Jews and your religion better than I do, so why don't you hear what Paul has to say, and you help me unravel this thing, and if I should hand them over or tell me what I should write to uh, Caesar concerning this, because right now I don't have nothing to write. I don't even know what to charge the man with. That's what's going on in this chapter. And so the devil doesn't know what to do with him, so he calls in another devil to basically say, tell me what to tell the king devil about him because I can't find nothing wrong with him. That's where we got to stop this week. So the thing is, so do you recognize what you're dealing with? Do you recognize that you wrestle not against flesh and blood? Do you recognize why you have to be prayed up at all times? The importance of your prayer life, the importance of your word life, the importance of you making sure that you are not walking and acting out of your flesh, but instead that you are in tune with the Spirit of God, that you are being led by the Spirit, that you are confirming everything that you are doing in the Word, and most importantly, that the testimony that you give is true. Now, you don't have to be a biblical scholar to testify about Jesus. What you have to do is you testify, excuse me, you testify to that which you know, that which God has revealed to you. And that's it. Some people think that, you know, I got to know all the spiritual laws. I got to know the Bible from beginning to end. I got to know the ins and outs of everything. No, you don't. What you have to know is what God shows you and what and your experience with God. And you have to be committed to the faith. In Jude, Jude says, it says, contend for the faith. And that's what you're doing. You are standing there saying, look, this is what the Lord has shared with me. This is my experience with the Lord. This is what I know. 
time and time again when Paul is standing before the Sanhedrin, when Paul is standing before um, uh, uh, all of the rulers and principalities, what does he do? He presents his experience with Jesus. How do we expand the gospel? How do we expand the kingdom? One by one, we present our testimony, the true testimony of Jesus. Hey, how you doing, Auntie? That's what we do. That's all we do. We don't have to lie about our experiences with Jesus. If God saved you, God saved me. If he saved you in such a way where um, there was a miraculous turnaround in your life, that's what happened with me. I met Jesus, and I gave him my life, and since that time, I've been studying, I've been learning. He has been changing me from the inside out. That's your testimony. You don't have to be a drunk. You don't have to be have stood out on the corner, or you don't have to be a thief or anything like that. No, what you got to do is just tell what did G, what happened when you met Jesus. Paul meets him on the Damascus Road. He knocked me off my horse. He blinded me. He told me that this is what he wanted me to do. That is Paul's testimony. You tell your testimony of your encounter with Jesus. That's it. And let the Spirit of God do the rest. Amen? That's what Paul does. But the big thing about this lesson, Paul knows what he's up against. You know what you're up against. And you know what it's going to take. Amen? So next week we'll go into Acts chapter 26. We will um, hear Paul, Paul's defense. And we will see what happens with Bernice. And what Bernice and King Agrippa have to say, because I'm t- I'm telling you, if you ever want to meet a wicked man, Agrippa's the boy. So, let's pray. And while I'm praying, if you've got questions on the Global Drive nine two nine four seven seven two three zero four nine two nine four seven seven two three zero four, and for those of you who have uh, questions on. Uh, on Facebook Live concerning Acts chapter 25 or any of the chapters uh, before this, uh, you can post your questions right away on, hey, Ron, how you doing, man? Uh, you can post your questions on um, right on the screen, and I'll get them, and I'll try to answer them right away. Let's pray. Eternal God, our Father, it's in Jesus' name we come. We thank you that we don't have to go into the battle not knowing who the real enemy is. We bless your name. And we bless your name because you tell us to put on the whole armor of God. You tell us to equip equip ourselves with righteousness. You tell us to equip ourselves with the word. You tell us to make sure that we are carrying the gospel of peace everywhere we go. You tell us to put on the helmet of salvation. You tell us to gird our loins with Father, you have not called us to come up with these flamboyant, flim-flam testimonies, but instead to tell the truth about our experiences with you and to share the gospel. Father, we repent that sometimes we our eyes have gotten off you, that we've gotten entangled in the wars of the world, and we have not fought 
the fight that you have sent us to fight, but instead we've gotten sidetracked doing other things. Father, help us to stay focused on doing the things that you've commanded us to do and to beware of the wiles and the schemes of Satan. We bless your name tonight. We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. So, I want to make sure that there are no questions before I sign off tonight. And again, we've gone now through the first 25 chapters of Acts. And if, in fact, you want to review any of the chapters, um, there's a YouTube channel that you can look up by just Googling my name, just type in Winfred Burns YouTube, and you can get to that page or um, Word Worship and Witness Ministries on YouTube. You can get to that page. You could get to all of the previous teachings um, and some other stuff that we put out there, some daily devotionals, etc. cetera. Uh, I praise God for each of you tonight as you come out and study the Bible with me. Uh, we'll finish this, and I will tell you that in about three or four weeks when we finish this book, that we are heading into a much shorter study, but it's, a, it's an auxiliary study of the book of Acts because we'll go into uh, Galatians. And in Galatians, we'll answer a couple of very, very important questions that I believe will strengthen your faith in God and free you from the religiosity that some of us are mired in today. Yeah, that's right, in the book of Galatians. So if there's no questions, then I'm going to sign off for the evening. I'll see you next week. We'll be in Acts chapter 26. After 26 comes 27. I don't know how long it's going to take us to get through 27 and 28 because that involves the journey to Rome. And then we will need some time to wrap everything up and put it all together. So I bless you for being with us tonight. I praise God for each of you. Ron, Maria, it's good to see you guys. Uh, I pray that you would share uh, these with others who perhaps are not in Bible study, who are not, who are not studying their Bibles at all. Uh, the purpose is simple. The purpose of, the, of these Bible studies is simple, to get you into the Word, get you, strengthen you, um, get everybody so connected to God and their Word because there's such a great disconnect between us and our word, and we've been fed so much bad doctrine that many of us have stopped sharing the gospel of Jesus, and instead we have been uh, sharing a doctrine that is no good, that God didn't call us to, to share at all. And so want us to get back to the word of God, to the mission of God. Be blessed. Have a wonderful evening. This is Pastor Winfred Burns of Word Worship and Witness Ministries with the Word on Wednesday. Have a wonderful evening.